You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. As predicted, uh, the President's Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan placed a grand 1 trillion rand infrastructure plan leveraging uh, up to 660 billion rand of crowded in private sector capital, or so it's hoped, at the centre. But plans are wearing thin and only execution matters at this late stage to pull South Africa back from the brink of failed statehood. The Reconstruction and Recovery Plan promises to enable a significant expansion in the delivery of public infrastructure, creating jobs and unlocking investments and boosting aggregate demand in the economy. Uh, what governments need to do to open up is to even the playing field, firstly between public and private sectors, so that, for example, areas where ESCOM and Transnet have had a monopoly, that that gets opened up to the private sector on a competitive basis. And the real issue is that if you offer infrastructure projects on this competitive basis, you'll find the capital chasing those projects. And ultimately what you do is then you bid on the end price of the infrastructure. So you get private sector players bidding for the lowest possible provision of public infrastructure at a very high quality. And the benefit is uh, that you, you have a structure that uh, at least ensures that you don't see the risks of cost overruns and time overruns that we've seen in some of the large public sector projects like Madupi, for example. There just needs to be good differentiation between who the players are, what the rules are, uh, who the referee is, and the fact that government uh, can't be all three. Uh, does this plan offer that? Well, I'm joined now by Dr. Josienzo Ramakopa, Head of the Investment and Infrastructure Office inside the Presidency, driving this, and Leon Kumpfer, CEO of the Association of Savings and Investments South Africa, CISA, uh, which recently introduced the infrastructure standard and really represents um, a large chunk of institutional capital in the country. Dr. Ramakopa, we last spoke, I think it was at the end of July, when those 50 strategic infrastructure projects, the SIPs, and 12 special projects involving a total investment of 360 billion rand had just been gazetted. What's been achieved in just over uh, the two months since we last spoke? Thank you, Michael, for, for the invitation. So the kind of progress we've made is, is multifold. The first one is that we, we succeeded in operationalizing the infrastructure fund, which is really a blended financing instrument that allows us to the public sector to take the first risk or if you like the first loss rather and in that way we were able to hopefully to crowd in private sector participation it's a hundred billion rent facility that is incubated at the gbsa is now up and running and part of the work that we have done is to include the the private sector in the governance structures of the infrastructure fund the value of the private sector is that they bring additional skill additional capacity but they're also helping us to evaluate projects through the lenses of a potential investor. And in this way, they enhance the prospects of success, uh, commercial success or financial close of the project. And then the second one is that uh, we of the 50 projects, we have been able to launch now two of these projects. The one is Green Creek. It's a 2.6 billion rand uh, project. And the other one is a weight loop that has received coverage, a lot of media coverage, a 34 billion rand project. So there, the state comes in to unlock the project by providing bulk infrastructure and private sector is bringing its own money to bear in relation to, to the top structures. Um, and then we've been able to um, receive um, an increase of the borrowing limits for TCTA. And this is a state-owned entity that is responsible for the rollout of bulk infrastructure in the state. So the Mokola uh, River project, so the 10 billion rand project, we're happy to announce that now it's, uh, it's good to go. 
The president did make mention in the delivery of uh, the reconstruction and recovery plan that we're working on finalizing credit enhancing instruments. And those are particularly relevant for the projects that uh, Sunral is, uh, mm. is going to be implementing. So we need sovereign guarantees for Sunral projects. So we are at an advanced stage, so we're more than uh, confident that we are going to get those uh, um, sovereign guarantees. Once we get them, a lot of those projects um, are ready to are good to go i mean some of them were already at tendering stage so sandra had already gone out invited contractors evaluated and then stopped at the point of award and then went into the debt capital market working with us to raise money we were able to attract funding from um, one of the mdbs but the requirement from the mdb was that i require sovereign guarantee so once this uh, credit enhancing instrument is released so sandra is able to make the award i'm making mm -hmm. that point just to demonstrate that the and this project will happen in the next three months, at least the actual uh, construction of uh, these projects. Mm. And like I said, for TCTA, it's just uh, an additional um, borrowing limits increase in the borrowing limits. And in that way, we are able to um, unlock a, a lot of these projects. Then of the 18 projects that are in the human settlements, I did make mention that two are already running now so this actual construction that is happening about seven of those are already in construction so all that we're funding with future phases so we are concluding that discussion with national treasury we are front loading so we're bringing future phases earlier uh, so that we are able to to fund the bulk to enable the additional top structures to uh, to 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 be rolled out. So that's the kind of progress that we have registered in the past uh, two months. And mm. I, again, I mean, the president was saying that they, we just need to ensure that we deliver, deliver, and deliver. I must uh, say that the private sector has been very helpful in um, ensuring that they accelerate um, the 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 effort to get uh, projects to financial close, uh, Michael. Just one last uh, issue on that multilateral development bank. Uh, can you can you name which bank uh, at this stage it, that you're in discussions with? Oh, I'm not sure that I'm at liberty, but I can tell you that this amongst is the the new development bank is the World Bank is KF uh, KFW that are in that space. Uh, right. So one of them taken particular position. They've confirmed through their approval governance structure, so they are good to go to finance the, the Sunral project, Michael. Thank you very much, Dr. Romakopa. Leon, I think it's important for, um, for South Africans to get a better insight into this working relationship that seems to be developing around infrastructure between government and the private sector here, uh, and, and through this relationship with CESA, because there's, uh, uh, there's a narrative out there that um, if you look at, for example, what the Institute of Race Relations has done is uh, certainly shake the sabre or, or rattle the sabre of prescribed assets. Uh, is that a concern for you? Give us an insight and a, and a window into this relationship and uh, whether or not uh, the spectrum of prescribed assets is a concern for a CESA. Uh, thank you very much, Michael and listeners, and to Doc, good seeing you, even if it's virtually. I think the journey started on the 18th of February when the president convened a meeting here in Cape Town between all the role players around developmental work and particularly with reference to infrastructure. Our relationship as a CISA and our members started at that stage with Doc and his team. And we were represented on the STIRCO, which ultimately delivered the Sustainable Infrastructure Development Symposium in June. Together with DOC, we also 
open it up for all the funding institutions to be party to those discussions. Those are our members, obviously the banks. And what was encouraging is in this whole process, the multilateral development banks and the DFIs in South Africa were all present in the discussions. Uh, what is also encouraging for me personally and our members is that it would seem that we now have a growing partnership between all role players and it's pretty clear that uh, we need to forge partnerships to deliver in terms of developing South Africa and putting infrastructure projects into the pipeline and coming out of the ground. We also very encouraged and Doc will bear me out in terms of the plans that were tabled to the president. Uh, Business for South Africa, which we were part of, the government itself, the labor movement and community, there was a very, very high convergence between all those plans, which also is very encouraging. And I believe everybody also realizes and agrees that we've now got to implement, uh, we've got to make South Africa more business friendly, more competitive, and over time attract foreign capital. So if everybody agrees on that, I find it actually quite interesting that people still should be talking about prescribed assets. There's no need for that, A, because one, we have to attract foreign capital, not chase it away. And B, we've now formed a partnership where hopefully over time money will flow. What we've always maintained, and I think Doc will bear me out, is you will get funding if there are projects, which is now happening. And Doc and his team have done a remarkable job under very difficult circumstances. Ourselves and the banks are working with Doc and his team to assist in capacitating the IIO, which is now ISA, with the required skills as part of this partnership. And we are encouraged by the progress that has been made, Michael. And on the skills front, uh, Dr. Ramakorpa, that is a critical area to get right. Uh, having a conversation with uh, Emile Detoy of Harith and uh, the Chief Investment Officer of the ESCOM Pension Problem Fund in Daba and Kize recently, it was mentioned that some of these uh, projects can take anywhere from two to four years just in terms of getting the, the, the legal and commercial contracting right. Uh, and so there is a, there is a deep specialization here. Uh, just give us an insight into what is happening in terms of ensuring that uh, the, the right skills are seconded and, uh, and the capacity constraints or gaps are being addressed with this new partnership with the private sector. No, that's absolutely correct, uh, Michael. I, I must say, give credit to ASISA. They've played an interlocutor role between the office and the, and the private sector in general. So what we've been doing is to um, approach the private sector and convert support in relation to the kind of uh, technical and financial engineering skills that uh, are required. Um, as as um, uh, mentioned uh, uh, earlier on, so some of the things that uh, we, we have been doing was to start this process around uh, February of this year. And what we then did was to look at the uh, projects that were post-feasibility. Uh, so essentially these are projects that lend themselves to get into financial close uh, um, as, uh, as soon as possible. So we focused on those projects. So we received in total 276 of these projects across the six uh, areas, water, 
uh, transportation, energy, ICT infrastructure, human settlement, and uh, agriculture and agro-processing. But we then uh, further segmented them to those that are post-feasibility, if you look at the project uh, life cycle, because a lot of investments would have been done uh, at the level of feasibility to evaluate, if you like, uh, mm. the financial merits and the technical merits of the pro pro project to progress to the next stage. And as Leon has mentioned, we then uh, went to the private sector, the MDBs, DFIs, and the commercial banks to ask for additional capacity, specifically in those areas that you have mentioned, uh, Michael, uh, financial and also the legal um, and also the technical engineering skills to support the work that we are doing in government. Um, and then they, they were able to sponsor uh, some of the most world-renowned credible experts who sat with us and over a period of uh, four months we were able to get to a project pipeline to the tune of 350 340 billion rands. I mean that's no mean uh, achievement so we were able to get to that stage so as Leon has indicated we then went back to them and said look uh, we think the template is working can you provide additional capacity because we have an additional I think um, 200 and uh, if you, you minus the 50 from the 276 we have 226 projects that are still before us and as we speak now we're still receiving project projects indeed the private sector uh, uh, kept to their commitment the commitment that they made on the 18th of february the same commitment that they made uh, through the network process they are bringing us additional capacity so we're crowding in this capacity and also from the resource point of view i did mention we have that infrastructure fund part portion of that is to fund if you like project preparation so it allows us to go beyond what private sector is offering uh, on our own to look for that additional skills. Mm. But we have found that coordinating with the private sector, we are able to make significant headways. And um, the allocation, at least for now, for project preparation is 400 million. In rent value terms, absolute numbers is a huge number. But in the context of what we want to achieve, uh, I, I, it's not that significant. So we're looking mm. to get additional allocations and I think National Treasury is looking favorably at our request. What is the benefit to the fiscals? Is that you're going to free projects that would ordinarily be uh, seeking for funding through the fiscals if they are getting to be packaged correctly. Leon makes a very important point that we should not lose sight of. Is he says all good projects that could be funded have been funded. So what the private sector is saying is that continue to churn out and, and replenish the infrastructure project pipeline, we will come and play in that space. So we said we need additional uh, um, uh, resources for us to do project preparation. Once we prepare this project, we are relieving the fiscal. The fiscal is decimated and we are able to redirect our quest, our search for funding through the debt capital market or through the debt, um, the blended financing um, uh, route. And whatever mm. is left of the fiscal headspace can fund social projects, uh, Michael. Dr. Ramakorpa, the, the issue of transformation uh, has some black businesses uh, disgruntled. Uh, we see the Black Business Council in the built environment pushing for government to introduce quotas here to ensure that um, the business is evenly and fairly distributed around. Uh, when you're talking about crowding in private sector capital, is it possible to do that? And is it even desirable to do that? Um, surely this should be going to the lowest cost bidder. Yeah, so what we're saying is that this is a useful discussion. Uh, and our view is that we mustn't decouple the need for us to uh, ensure that the economy gets to recover, it, uh, there's a reconstruction effort 
from the transformation conversation. So we think that the, the three must go together. And let me give you a typical example with the Moet Group, which has uh, re-energized this uh, conversation. Uh, if you look at the possible areas of uh, uh, affirmation, if you like, transformation, it's across multiple areas. So the focus, unfortunately, has just been on ownership, which is an important component, by the way. So I'm not subtracting from its, uh, its gravity. Um, and of course, Baldwin is a listed entity. They also appreciate what needs to happen. They must uh, be uh, in keeping with the chapters that they prevail in their space. And I think they released a statement themselves to say they are entering, they are at an advanced stage of, uh, of uh, ensuring that they, they are empowered. So that's the one conversation. Then the next one is where do they procure these uh, input materials? So Baldwin has uh, come to the table. Um, and as part of us unlocking this project, yes, the 34 billion is their money. They uh, syndicated the banks, they are bringing that 34 billion. All we are doing is to unlock the bulk to the tune of about 1.2 billion. We thought that we can place obligation on the part of the developer because we are making the project to happen. And I must say that Baldwin committed to the following one is where they procure the input costs, uh, the, the input uh, um, uh, materials. So it will be from transformed entities. And if you are going to do that, you are going to uh, broaden, if you like, the industrial base over a period of time. Uh, once these uh, suppliers have got uh, a side of um, uh, what the offtakes are, they are able to reinvest back into their assets. They are able to employ more people. And in that way, you are able to uh, create indirect jobs that are related to the project. And then again, what is the other transformation element uh, outside just where you're procuring the input uh, material? It's at the construction site itself. So I'm talking about the direct jobs. So Baldwin is committed to not less than 40 percent or remember 40 percent is the floor so you can go to whatever figure percentage not less than 40 percent of this uh, will be subcontractors that they uh, are emerging black and specifically women and youth-owned enterprises and the rates that they'll be paying these uh, contractors will not be exploitative rates are rates that are at the uh, market uh, related levels so we are creating opportunities there and then the one obvious one is the amount of employment it's 41,000 jobs that are created in the immediate and uh, much needed uh, uh, job opportunities, the economy's hemorrhaging jobs. And the last transformation lens that we are looking at is the fact that we are able to accommodate um, an, an income bracket that hitherto would not have thought of locating in a, in a suburb like Moitlu mm. here in Swan. And the, the state has uh, engineered financial engineering to allow for these people to participate. Out of the 50,000 uh, units, you are going to have about 15,000 coming from uh, from uh, people in that uh, income group. Uh, Leon, from your vantage point uh, at ASISA, um, the the idea of potentially introducing quotas in this infrastructure program are you are you just happy with uh, what Dr. Ramakhopa has outlined in terms of businesses? operating within the frameworks of the existing charters and then at least achieving that minimum 40 uh, percent floor uh, michael i think uh, CISA and its members agree on the need for transformation uh, we also agree in terms of the plans that could table that they should promote inclusive economic growth which has to some extent not been the case in the past so the process we're happy with provided we actually get things done, which hopefully we will.
on that point of getting things done, on execution, the president didn't mention Operation Bulanglela in his uh, reconstruction and recovery program last week. Where do you think some of the gaps and some of the challenges still remain in terms of getting infrastructure done? We know historically in South Africa, infrastructure has been handled by monopolies like Transnet and ESCOM, and that's why you haven't seen the same sort of private sector involvement as you would in a Canada or in Australia or in the US, for example, where their pension funds do go and invest in infrastructure. It's far more competitive over there. What still needs to happen? Uh, are you comfortable with the PPP frameworks, for example? What would you like to see happen from here? Uh, Doc knows this. We all know this. Uh, historically, the points you make are very valid. So a lot of the infrastructure investment flowed via the SOEs. So they weren't at project level. Uh, what we like about this is that many of them will be financed at project level where the project can stand and fall, as Doc said, on its own financial metrics, which encourages private sector investment. Now, on the concept of retirement funds investing in infrastructure, you spot on. I mean, in Canada and in Australia, who, by the way, are the leaders in this field, there's a lot of investment in infrastructure. Why? Because they've been good projects. Uh, you know, we just have to look at one in South Africa, which is recognized worldwide as a sort of leader, was when they, the IPP, you know, for the renewables, it worked and it crowded in massive amounts of private sector capital. With Doc and his team now and with the participation of all parties, hopefully now that infrastructure will go through one portal, which is now, Doc, am I right, called Infrastructure South Africa. Yeah. We will hopefully cut out a lot of the red tape and the jockeying for position, everything comes to one focal point and hopefully there they will look at projects and see whether they are feasible, doable and they will proceed with it. Uh, for me that is encouraging and I think it's for the first time that I can recall that this is happening. Mm -hmm. and to Doc's point is it's, it's going to need a partnership. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to find the resources within the private sector, whether they are on secondment or old hands to populate the required structures to deliver. Uh, the challenge is to get the ISA running uh, well. It is currently being set up and is running well, but it, 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 it will have to expand. And to Doc, uh, you know, we're going to have to run this as if it's a business. Uh, with people that are working there, knowing what they have to do, performance measurement, who's doing what, etc., etc., and I'm quite confident that hopefully that will happen. Well, uh, it's encouraging from my vantage point uh, in all the years that I've been covering the space. Uh, the barometers, when we've tended to do them, have gone nowhere. This is the first time that I'm actually seeing uh, the barometer at the base of the thermometer starting to fill. So uh, long may it last. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, that was Leon Kumpfer, the CEO of ASISA, and Dr. Josienza Ramakorpa, the head of the Investment and Infrastructure Office inside the presidency, uh, talking to us about our grand infrastructure growth plans. And I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, we can solve putting the issue of prescribed assets to bed.